Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. We had Mark Berman on yesterday. He dropped some heat, and Alex, some of that heat segues perfectly into what we are going to cover today. Yeah, we're continuing our off-season primers, and we've now moved on to bigs. And we realized when we were planning the show, there are so many arguments to have or like different things to explore with the bigs on this team that we had to split just the incumbents into two episodes. This is normally the quick part, but we decided to split this into two parts. In this first part, we're going to talk about Julius Randle and Obi Toppin because our buddy Berman dropped some really good nuggets on that in the episode yesterday that we want to get into, react to, and have this discussion maybe for the last time until next season. So tune in. It's, it's going to be a good one. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, and we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. And if you didn't check it out, we got Mark Berman on video for most of the episode. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't succeed in finishing with him on video. We got most of the way there, so so check us out on YouTube. Go enjoy that. Throw us a subscription. And a, another reminder, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online offering uh, more props and odds than any other place out there. Bet Online, where the game starts. And who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, hitting the home stretch before I'm off for the summer. Uh, got about 30 games, New York State lacrosse championships and playoffs. You can check those out on the Varsity Media Sports Network and the NFHS Network. And my co-host is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website on the internet. You can check them out on social media at the Strict.land. And Alex, we are going into Obi Toppin and Julius Randle in this one. And this would have been kind of a static conversation. If, if we're look, look, we, we keep it real with you guys, right? We have talked about that a whole lot. We have talked about those two guys a whole lot. I thought we explored every angle of this Julius Randle stuff. But Mark Berman, uh, bless his soul, gave us something new to talk about because he mentioned on this podcast, and I want to say reported, but there's, there's presumably some reporting behind it, that Obi Toppin opened some eyes in the New York Knicks front office towards the end of the season with his play and made it more palatable for there to be a post-Julius Randle world, while also noting simultaneously the Knicks certainly have not closed the door on Julius Randle coming back, and that is a positive sign for Randle's Knicks future, um, maybe a, a negative sign for, for fans that think like us, um, that he was with the Knicks in Dallas for that game. Um, but the Knicks remain open to trading him if the right deal comes along. So, Alex... I'll leave it to you. What was what was your reaction when Mark dropped all that heat? I mean, I I it was uh reassuring, I guess. You know, I think the part about Obi especially, you know, I would say it's good to know that people in the front office, some of them at least, are thinking along the same lines that we are, which is like Obi looks like a player, like stop burying him, you know, give this guy time. He needs to play. He's awesome. He could maybe be a starting power forward on a decent team. You know, like the Knicks were pretty good to end the year. And 
you know, it's, it, it, you could say level of competition and, you know, teams are sitting players and yada, yada, all true, but it doesn't really matter. Like it, it, good play is good play. And like, you don't average like damn near 30 points over like the five games that you got significant minutes for the year. If you're not playing well and, you know, no matter the level of competition, like 30 points is 30 points in the NBA. That's, that's a pretty tough plateau to hit. So, you know, I, I think that that's the best part of the whole thing to me. Now it's, it's just made all the more confusing and look, Mark brought up a couple times too. And, you know, I've, I've joked about this before because I honestly, I, I just want to be like, Mark, what do you think they would say? I'm not going to say that to him though. Cause we like have Mark on and I feel like that might make him mad, but like, you know, it's like, what do you think Leon Rose is going to say if you get the chance to ask him questions? But, you know, because of how tight lit the Knicks front office is, I think that there's there's not a great consensus out there on how they feel, which is where that whole Julius Randle, you know, going to the Dallas game thing comes in, where Mark was like, I thought things were more on the rocks than they were. But that that, you know, incident with him showing up at the Dallas game with them, like, yes, he's from Dallas, but he didn't have to show up there. You know, that was that was a choice that he made to go there and and, you know, sit with World Wide West and all them. And that made me think maybe it's more likely he's going to stay. I guess, Gavin, my big question that I have after all that, though, is it's like there's two things here that don't necessarily seem like they can coexist unless some things change with the coach. And Berman also said that, like, he wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he said that him and. Some of the other, you know, beat guys are, are joking that Tibbs might not make it to December 1st next year. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe that's the only way that this can work with both Randall and Toppin because Tibbs showed such a reluctance to play them together. But like, you know, I, I'm curious what you think about that. I mean, how do you think that those two nuggets of information can coexist together or like can both the Knicks love Obi and regret not playing him more? And, you know, the Knicks aren't totally done with Randall. Both be true. Can only one be true? Can they only be both true if Tibbs gets fired? Like, I, I don't know what to think. And that's the real confusing part of, of that part of the discussion with Berman to me. Yeah, you know, I, I love that, Alex, because you know what it tells me? It tells me the Knicks are finally approaching the boiling point with the situation. And and we were frustrated to no end last year, like I'm so, so many of you listening were, um, because we thought we hit the bo- boiling point six times over. Where it was like, all right, it's too much with Randall, like especially after that crazy Bulls win where he like slams the ball, walks off the court, allegedly asks for a trade in the locker room, says he doesn't really want to be here anymore. If I'm remembering all that correctly, apologies if I'm not. Um, and, and with Tibbs, I mean, we, we, we put out, we, you and I were joking the other day, our pinned episode is still, this is it for Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Apparently it was not it for Tom Thibodeau because he, he is going to be the Knicks head coach, uh, barring something insane to start next season. But there is a time limit on it, right? Because this is the NBA. This is New York. There's external pressure. There's internal pressure. There are apparently some voices that already wanted Tibbs gone. And the fact that they wanted Tibbs gone doesn't even make me happy. It's the fact that just those voices exist. That tension is evident. People inside the organization acknowledge it and recognize it. So either this remedies itself, and that means Julius comes back, and he he plays, if not quite to the level we saw in 2020, 2021, something close to that. He's willing to take a backseat to R.J. Barrett. On some nights, he's willing to take a backseat to Emmanuel quickly. Obi Toppin gets enough time. Tibbs finds the right way to incorporate all these different guys and maximize each of their abilities, whether that means playing Obi and Julius together for 10 minutes a game, or it means just taking Julius down to 28 minutes a game and making sure Obi gets a consistent 20 every night and the Knicks are winning games. If it goes well, we're reasonable people. 
I don't care if Tibbs is the coach. I don't care if Julius Randle's on the team. If they're playing well, super. I'll, I'll cheer for them with everyone else. But if it doesn't, there is a clear expiration date at this point. And that is very rewarding as a fan and as a podcaster to hear that we're not going to repeat this insanity forever. And I do believe that this front office is smart. I, I think, like you, I need constant reassurances of that because I've been burned so often in the past. But it felt really, really good to hear that they recognized how Obi Toppin played. And, and to use Mark Mark Berman's term, that that could very well make Julius Randle superfluous. And I, I would take that a step further. I, I just think Obi Toppin, even if in a vacuum, he's not the player that Julius Randle is, on this Knicks team is flat out a better fit and just more productive for the Knicks going forward. And it seems like the Knicks are willing to see the truth in that if it does play out that way. Well, I, I think there's more to talk about with that as far as if Obi can be the guy and be your starting power forward and all that. But I, I think this is a good opportunity real quick before we get into that discussion and just remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by built bar. And look, I love brownies, but I have a confession to make. I like brownie batter more. Uh, I eat too much of it. And my wife, I, I'm usually the voice of reason. My wife is always the one that's like trying to eat the entire bowl of brownie batter to which I'm like, a there's raw eggs in there and B um, no, I want all of that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, whatever. I I think I found a better solution here is, is what I'm saying. And that solution is brownie batter built puffs because built has a new creation. This one is better than ever. You guys have heard me talking about puffs. Now they have brownie batter puffs. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level and they're available right now on built.com. I don't know if you guys have tried Built Puffs yet. Uh, I talk about them all the time, so I hope by this point you have. But uh, they're a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. It's it, I feel like I have to add that last part on because they don't even taste like a protein bar, quite frankly. It tastes like you're eating like a Malamar or something uh, and, and that there's no possible way that there could be 17 whole grams of protein in there compared to just 140 calories and 7 grams of sugar. So... Built Puffs are really good for you and taste amazing. You'll honestly want to like eat them for dessert. But the best part is you can eat them after a workout and not feel bad about doing so. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Gavin. So we we ended that, that last segment, you know, sort of thinking like, okay, can... OB step in and be the guy. And and it seems like maybe the Knicks think that that is the case. And I'm inclined to believe so as well. You know, I think, I think two things, and, you know, we've already talked about this with Emmanuel quickly, where we went over various free agent options and trade options and everything else. And sort of came to this conclusion of like, in an ideal world, I might just want to stick with Emmanuel quickly, you know, like he's, he's so good. I want to see what the Knicks have in him. He played so well to end the year. Like, why not give him a shot as the starting point guard? I sort of feel the same way with Obi Toppin, you know, and it's his path is just more difficult. You know, it's the only thing. It's like Julius Randle is there as this incumbent. So to to revisit my own, you know, yes or no question from, from the first segment, like I don't really think that both those things can be true, that the Knicks still want to work things out with Randle and that they feel like Obi might be, the piece of the future because I I just think even if you did manage to talk to Tibbs and get him to change his ways and play Obi a little more at center or whatever, 
that still probably caps them in like 20 minutes, you know, if that. And we've seen that that's even hard for guys off the bench to get under Tibbs uh, because Julius is still going to need to play like 35 minutes. But even if you get a new coach, even if tomorrow they put Johnny Bryan in and they still left him with Julius Randle on the roster, like you're sort of obligated via locker room politics and contracts and egos and everything else to like still play him, you know, a lot of minutes and hopefully get buy-in from him. And, you know, then uh, Johnny Bryan or whomever else could, could get that, you know, uh, the OB top in at center minutes and, and whatever else I had. <laughs> I had a episode that we recorded last year hilariously brought to my attention today where we had pondered if Obi could play small forward. Uh, maybe not that, but, you know, maybe under a different coach, he could find a little more of a role. But I still just think that until Obi is fully embraced as like a starter and Randall is no longer on the team, like that specter of Randall is just going to hang very visibly over this team because. Randall is just too big of a presence to just sort of like marginalize and, you know, just sort of be like, okay, Julius, like you're going to now be the new Obi and Obi's going to be the new you. Like that's just not going to work. And without being able to do something like that, there's just no way to really elevate Obi in a meaningful way. So I just, I'm kind of a, the belief that like the Knicks have to basically, if they truly do think that Obi might be the starting power forward of the future, like, they need to get rid of Julius Randle as soon as possible, like probably this summer, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've made my thoughts clear. You know, I'm in agreement because I, I, I wanted to start off this uh, at this point of the podcast by saying, let's play devil's advocate. How does this go right for Julius? But it and, and for him as a player, like it's not crazy to think about how this can go right. Right. Because, because he has insane talent. For the early portion of his career, he was someone who was fantastic around the basket and was content to mostly be someone attacking the basket and predicate his game around attacking the basket. We we off-reference that seven-game stretch where he was just insane this year, where I thought he was playing pretty much as well, if not better, than he was any point during that 2020-21 season. So the talent isn't a question. The ability isn't a question. I don't even think, in a lot of ways, the basketball IQ is really a question. I, I think he's a really smart player in some ways and, and knows how to weaponize um, his his strengths. He's a really skilled player. He can really shoot it sometimes. Um, all that is to say, just Julius Randle, the human being. How does this how does this work out in a good way at this point? What does that look like? What is the world where where he comes back and and he's just he's just content to be all right? RJ is ahead of me in the pecking order. Like, you know what? Obi's the future of the power forward position on the Knicks. I saw what he did. The kid is amazing. I want to split time with him evenly. I want to play some minutes with him. Um, I'm content to just roll to the basket, attack the rim, spray out passes, shoot an open three within the flow of the offense. And that's going to be my contribution from this point going forward. And if I outplay that, I outplay that. It's not going to happen. I mean, th this dude, this dude was New York basketball. He was the most beloved Knicks since I want to say Carmelo Anthony in, in um, 12, 13, maybe even hit, I don't know if, he, if you could say he had higher highs because Melo was just a bigger name and that was a better team. But there was something so amazing about the comeback story and how unexpected it was. He was in those same airs as Melo. Like, I think, would it be fair to say he was one of the two most beloved Knicks of the last 20 years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, his, yeah. his the shift in, in feelings towards him 
happening as fast as it did and his shift in feelings towards like the city and the fans and everything is like completely unprecedented because this time last year he was like on top of the world in New York, you know, even with the playoff exit. I mean, we were we were all in on Julius last year. We were talking, you know, in July or August or whenever he was able to ink his extension. I forget when exactly for ages he started last year, but like it, we were talking about how huge of a steal it was. And now we're talking about, you know, there's often discussions about like, well, is Julius a, a negative value contract or a neutral value contract? Like, I mean, come on, you know, there's it's yeah, it's insane. But I, I agree with you. I think totally fair to draw comparisons to like 12, 13 mellow, at least as far as a one season run goes. Although obviously it didn't sustain nearly as much as, yeah. as mellows left did. So all, all that is to say, I just don't see, from what I've seen from Julius, and maybe I I don't know the guy. None of us know the guy. I don't see him being willing to take a step back. I, I see him having better habits, but I just, I don't know. Even if he hustles more on defense, even if you don't have the terrible body language, even if you don't have the yelling at the refs, even if you don't have, I mean, seemingly like some real locker room strife, like he's just, I don't think he's a good enough player to justify the other stuff. And the thing is, if he was good enough, you wouldn't have the other stuff because he would rightfully be the unquestioned number one guy. But he's just not good enough to be the unquestioned number one guy because that shooting was clearly not sustainable. I expect it to bounce back a little bit next year, but he's not going to hit the highs that he hit that season. And even that season, he wasn't exceptionally efficient. It was just it was it was some stretches of crazy three point shooting and on an offense that sucked. His level of play was exactly what they needed. And and he was good enough to be the number one guy on an offense with more credible options and more skill. Now that quickly is emerging. Now that RJ is emerging. Now that Obi is emerging. Like he just doesn't occupy the same spot in the ecosystem. And I'm sorry. I don't think he's capable of accepting that and changing his game, which is a real shame because there's a version of him as a role player that is picture perfect for this Knicks team, but he just doesn't want to be that dude. And Obi, and, and I'll, I'll throw it to you, Alex, because I've been talking forever. I think Obi absolutely wants to be that dude and absolutely wants to do everything possible to fit in on the team and make things easier on his teammates. And that's why even if there is a talent gap there and the way Obi played at the end of the year, I don't know how big that talent gap is. It's worth it to have Obi Toppin as the power forward on this team because it just both on the court and off, I think just makes things so much easier for everyone else on this team. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I almost wish that we could go back and do like a, uh, trying to think what where I'm thinking of this from like uh like a nightmare before Christmas or something and transfer uh Julius's brain from the 1819 season with the Pelicans into his present day body you know and just be like operate like that guy like you know because I was just looking back at the stats it's easier to forget you know we talked about how great his stats were last year and everything and how relatively lackluster they were this year despite the fact like oh but he still had you know, 20 points per game, 10 boards, five assists. Cool. I mean, the counting stats look great, but like when he played with New Orleans, he played a much more complimentary role. He had, I mean, like Drew Holiday for part of it, which very good player, but also had like Alfred Payton with him for a lot of minutes and still was managing to be like, we've brought this stat up like 8,000 times. He was like a 90th percentile pick and roll finisher, uh, you know, as a role man that year. It's just like, and now he never does that anymore. And he averaged 21.4 points per game, shot 52.4% from the floor, 34.4% from three. I mean, we would kill 
to have him just shoot like 34, 35% from three now instead of the the like roughly 30% that he shot the two years not the two years with fans in the stands that he's been in New York instead of the the one empty gym year, which I think we can now safely say like his crazy, crazy shooting improvement was mostly due to the fact that there was little to no fans in the stands for for most of the 20 to 21 season. So, yeah, I, I think that's basically it with him. It's like the only way it can ever work still is if he's willing to sort of take that back seat and be like, I could be the Julius Randle of New Orleans. And maybe he would still actually put up almost 20 points per game, but he just wouldn't be like the LeBron, you know, of the team, which seems to be, he seems to have this mentality of like, if I'm not the LeBron, if I'm not the main reason that we're winning, the win doesn't count to me, which is what that Chicago game, that infamous Chicago game told us, which was, you know, the Knicks won a big comeback led by their young players and, uh, you know, a tight game against a good team. And Julius's first reaction was to storm to the locker room and, you know, make it about him and about how it, I guess, wasn't fair to him that he wasn't the catalyst of the game or whatever. I don't know. It's just, you're right. Everything with him, it's, it's not even skill set related at this point because clearly he has great skills, even if they're not nearly as good as what he showed in 2021, you know, in a, in a regular season situation where there's like actual fans in the building and everything else. But there is a version of him that we saw with fans in the stands with a different team that it could probably fit really well with a lot of the guys on this team. If the Knicks had, you know, decide to go the, you know, young route and, you know, have their, have their, you know, young players be more the focal point of the team. But I just don't think we're ever going to see that because Julius just doesn't seem willing to buy into that concept. And, and, and even if he did, I think there's still a case to be made that Obi Toppin's game fits in better with the other Knicks, but we'll talk about that after a quick break. If you want to bet on Julius Randle's uh, getting traded this summer or other player destinations, we'll get to that in just a sec. There's only one place to go. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. And odds on where your favorite, or in the case of these two guys, maybe your least favorite player will end up. Uh, Kyrie Irving, next team, if not the Nets. The Clippers are at 3-2. to two. The Houston Rockets, can't see them going there at 11-4. to four. The New Orleans Pelicans, I think that's an interesting one at 3-1. to one. The Lakers at 7-1. to one. The Bulls at 9-1. to one. The Heat at 9-1. to one. The Mavs at 10-1. to one. The Knicks at 12-1. to one. I would not bet on the Knicks. I, I, would, I think the Lakers... <laughs> Are good value there at seven to one. I don't know what the trade would be, but I, I could see him and him and Braun wanting to bring the band back together. Russell Westbrook, the Knicks are unfortunately second on that list. So I'm not even gonna you don't have to look at those odds. Just just pick some team that is not the New York Knicks. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So, Alex, the question we have to ask, and I think people know where we lean, but the question we have to ask. If the Knicks do trade Julius Randle, whether it's to move up in the draft, whether it's just to replace him with someone who who fits in a little bit cleaner, like, uh, I mean, Harrison Barnes isn't a great example anymore because of DeMontis Sabonis, but may, maybe a Jeremy Grant from Detroit, right? Someone who doesn't have the baggage, someone who doesn't have the issues, regardless of, of what the Knicks do with Julius Randle. If he's not on the team, is Obi Toppin actually ready to be an every night starting power forward in the NBA? And we've gotten some good indicators that the answer is yes. I think offensively, 
I have less questions than ever about that. And it, it comes down to a large extent if you buy the shot. And he shot it absurdly well. He had games – what was it, the final game of the season or second to last game where he got up like 16 threes and hit seven, eight, or nine of them? I never I, – I didn't think we'd see that over a three-game stretch of his career at a certain point when he was a rookie, much less in a single game. And that volume and that confidence – and look, I know it was against teams – Playing out the playing out the stretch, um, even though Toronto actually had a lot of their really good defenders out there, the Wizards, you could say, sure, they they suck defensively. All those qualifiers are fine. The fact that when given time, and most importantly, given a long leash and knowing that every mistake wasn't going to cost him, he looked like a guy who can shoot, and he looks like a guy who has nice touch. He looks like a guy who has repeatable form, and it's very similar to Julius Randle, where I think for this to work. He doesn't have to be a 38% to 42% three-point shooter. He has to be a 34% to 37% three-point shooter. And I think that is a reasonable outcome at this point for Obi Toppin. And you look at everything else he brings to the table. I mean, the ability to roll to the rim, especially if the Knicks maybe find a a little bit of a stretchier center or Jericho Sims who can just position a little bit better. His ability to pass on the short roll is something we just haven't gotten to see a lot of because he doesn't get a lot of those rim run opportunities. But you surround him with shooters like a Quentin Grimes and an Emmanuel Quickly. He's going to make magic happen. And most importantly, the reason I advocate for Obi Toppin is that relationship with Emmanuel Quickly. I just think those two have a multiplicative effect on each other. They are so clearly to me better than the sum of their parts. And they make their teammates better than the sum of their parts. And I, I think you just can't say that for Julius. And to me, whatever deficiencies Obi has defensively or in terms of shooting, that that little um, – that, that little mind meld he has with quickly. I, I just want to give me 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 games of that. I, I, I'm like you, Alex. I think we just need to see it and we need to know what we have. And maybe, maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe they're not good enough. We just need to know at this point. Yeah. Because really what do you have to lose? Like what's the, what's the worst that's going to happen? You end up the, you know, 11th worst team in the NBA again and like narrowly missed the playoffs because uh, literally what happened this season is the worst possible outcome, right? We just saw this in the draft lottery. The Knicks, as usual, had no chance of moving up into the lotto, but also weren't good enough to make the playoffs. And so they get stuck in this place where, like, I I think they could get a good player, Epic 11, but there's something to be said for just letting the kids go out there and prove one way or another, like, are you a playoff team or are you not a playoff team? And even if they hit the same middle ground next year, you'd say, okay, well, but they did it without Julius Randle. And, you know, they were real close to the playoffs and they're all like under the age of 25. So cool. Like that's that's progress. That's good. Um, especially in a more clearly way more competitive East now uh, where they really have to scratch and claw for everything. So uh, but, you know, worst slash best case scenario, they sort of bottom out a little bit and they still go star hunting in the draft with a hopefully high draft pick next year in a really good draft. So, you know, the, it's it's just those sort of things to consider uh, those two games you mentioned too, Gavin, which it certainly opened my eyes about Obi's three point shooting grants. It's two game sample, but six and nine shooting six of 14 shooting. So he made six, two games in a row to end the season. I mean, that's, that's the sort of stuff that makes you think like it's to your point when he's unburdened, when he's not having to constantly look over his shoulder and see if Tibbs is about to yank him, you know, with the, the shortest of short leashes, you know, he, he plays pretty loose, you know, he, he didn't play tight, which, you know, I know that you could say like, well, you got to go out there and be ready to do whatever, but in any field, you know, if it was you or me, if, if, 
you know, if, if for your broadcasting, if they were like, or for our podcast, for that matter, if they were like, if you guys say, um, more than 14 times in a single episode, we might fire you. We would be like stumbling messes because that's just terrible. And, um, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. (laughs) More so than usual. Yeah. yeah, Like, you know, and it was just, it's not, you know, a, a healthy environment for someone to try to be successful in. So I think we do need to see this sample and just be like, okay, fine. Like, you have, for once, when the Knicks invest a high pick in someone, I want them to see it through and give them a chance. And, you know, we saw the same thing with Frank Nilakina, which everybody could say, oh, Frank, you're still not that good. Okay, but he's getting minutes on like an actual contender right now, a team that's in the Western Conference Finals. Like he was, he was a huge catalyst in helping, you know, the Mavericks beat the Suns in the last round. You know, he made Chris Paul's life hell. He made Devin Booker's life hell. You know, it's like, and this guy was sitting on the bench for the Knicks and couldn't find the floor for basically four years, you know, outside of sparing minutes when he would occasionally show flashes. And it's like, do we want Obi to turn into that same person? No, I don't. I like, I would like to see him get the chance and maybe some of the things that we thought are true, uh, you know, before we kind of saw this breakout are true. Maybe he can't shoot. Maybe he can't play defense, you know, or maybe he can't hold up. Maybe, you know, in more than a five-game sample or six-game sample like we saw at the end of the year, maybe over the course of a 40-game sample, he does start to wear down from the high-energy style play that he plays with and proves, you know what, maybe he's better as just a bench guy who can come in and play 20, 25 minutes and give you like 25 really quality minutes versus 35 increasingly sluggish minutes as the season goes on, uh, where then he's not, you know, able to do his leak outs for his wide receiver catches and everything else. Like, there's all these questions that need answering, but I, w- I would just love if the Knicks for once would actively try to seek out the answers rather than just skipping the question on the test and moving to the next question, you know, which then they never answer that one either. And pretty soon you've deferred the whole Scantron and you get a zero and they, they just draw a lewd uh, gesture on the Scantron and submit it as, as a test answer. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I that's, uh, that's basically where I'm at with the whole Obi thing. Like I just, I, I think they need to give him a chance. Like now is the time and it's, it's pretty much now or never because he only has two years left on this deal. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I, I have renewed hope. Uh, thanks to our good friend, Mark Berman, that the Knicks will see the light and maybe, maybe turn Julius Randall into a shade and sharp or, or someone who could fit next to Obi top. And that, Oh my God. Is, Talk is, about is, that is a big outcome. That is, that is optimistic, but you know, it's early, it's early off season. If there's any, if there's ever a time to be optimistic, it is now. Uh, but for Alex Wolf, I'm Gavin Shaw. Thank you so much for tuning in as always subscribe wherever you get your podcast, subscribe on YouTube, leave us some funny comments, write us some five-star reviews. Uh, We really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. But until next week, uh, we will uh, see you and we'll talk to you soon. I'm locked on next.